0: Give sure. me either the either or the either. I told you we're out of Phoenix Down. Okay, all right. <coughs> Hi, you're listening to Magecast, the ensemble podcast by the Well Read Mage and a cast of mages. Each episode, I sit down with my rotating panel of guests to have some civil discourse about a single game. We're a group of games writers dedicated to long form content and critique. You can find us on WordPress at thewellreadmage.com, on Twitter at thewellreadmage, and on YouTube crowdfunding support makes projects like MageCast possible if you enjoy our work written or otherwise you can check out our patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage for more information on exclusives rewards and our vision for a future of better games writing and a friendlier gaming community links are in the description don't forget to like follow subscribe and share MageCast with your fellow adventurers leave us a review too oh and now let's start the show
1: whatever reason my sinuses are acting up so now i sound all like nasally
0: and stuff (laughs) that's all right you can fix it in post you just put like a totally different woman's voice in there (laughs) we fixed it in post (laughs) (laughs) how's it going everybody this is mage cast the podcast with an ensemble cast of mages casting their individual magical insights on video games one video game at a time i am the well-read mage aka moses the blitzball master norton Uh, and i'm sitting here with possibly the most visually appealing guest i have ever had on this show too bad for you it's not video i'm sitting down with my own darling real world waifu (laughs) not a pillow with like an anime character on it this is a human being so hi how's it going Hi. This is,
1: <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> yeah,
0: after that introduction. Um, so why don't you give us your name and your mage name. Okay. If you can remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, what are some games that are really important to you?
1: Okay. Um, so this is Blythe Norton. And my uh, mage name is the Whiteout Mage. Why is that? Um, I... <laughs> I don't do it very regularly, but um, I did do a little bit of editing and proofreading for the wellreadmage.com. Uh, I still do it on occasion. Yeah, so. when you can, right? Yeah. Well, now
0: we have two kids, so...
1: Two small little children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: who are the joys of our life, but they're also two small children, despite that. so <laughs> um.
1: Okay, and so for games, um, there's, you know, I... I only had the, the NES and the N64. Those were the the consoles that, you know, were pretty major for me. So I had the one that came with the N64, Mario 64. That oh, was oh, yeah. probably one of the games that I just, like, played to death. <laughs> yeah, that's all you needed in the 90s.
0: Yeah. yeah and then
1: yeah. for um, the NES, I loved... Uh, you know super mario brothers of course um i played that one to death and then um i always get mixed up on all the kirby names okay
0: so the kirby one for the nes is (laughs) what you think kirby's adventure Adventure, yeah okay man that is a good game
1: and yes i played that one to death so uh that's my top three from the past and then of course you know present day sort of ish I don't play very regularly yeah <laughs> so present yeah. day for me is like 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. so um I love the Kirby's epic yarn and I know yeah. the um it's it green screen mage yeah uh, yeah I always forget everybody's mage thing I know it's hard to but, remember um, that's
0: why I have to write it down um, Kayla
1: yeah Kayla we have a really fun memory um with that one and she wrote about that in her post a while ago i I don't
0: remember i think it was a christmas collab i think so
1: yeah um yeah so i like the cutesy easy relaxing games you don't have to think too hard tetris 99 right now oh yeah
0: you're kind of hooked on tetris again uh, yeah yeah (laughs) well tetris is one of those games that's uh like the concept is so perfect
1: it never grows old yeah it's
0: simple (laughs) it's addicting it appeals to your fundamentals as a human being like i crave order unless you're one of those people that craves chaos but i don't know if anybody functions like that yeah (laughs) like the joker's like "Ah, i hate this game but but, uh but yeah tetris 99 is pretty fun pretty fun we should do a tetris podcast
2: okay eventually let's just do that instead of this
0: um well another thing's um well we've played a couple games together um since we Mm -hmm. got married um, I lucked out in that I did not marry someone who was like, ew, video games, nerd stuff, <laughs> uh, put that in the closet. So um, we've shared a couple games together, Kingdom Hearts 1.
1: I remember sitting with you while we were dating, um, and you played through Chrono Trigger.
0: Oh yeah, not the whole thing, but I remember. Yeah, I sat with you for parts of it because I wasn't Chrono Trigger. Yes. (laughs) Oh,
1: (laughs) Oh, uh, Shadow of the Colossus.
0: Oh yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. Journey Mm -hmm. is another one that we've shared to go. Yeah. Um, More closely to what we're going to be talking about, we played through. You might not remember this, but we played through Final Fantasy VI. Uh, and what will cause you to remember it is...
2: Okay. Yeah. Kefka? The Kefka laugh. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> super iconic. Uh, yeah. that then mm. that's a really great game. That was actually then your very first Final Fantasy mm. was the best one. So it's all downhill <laughs> from there. Sorry. But... <laughs> uh, and then after that... Um, we played, obviously, a bunch of other games, but we eventually got to the game that we're going to talk about today, Final Fantasy X, mm-hmm. because they did this awesome re-release for the uh, PS3, the Final Fantasy X and x to HD remaster, which is amazing. That's the remaster beautiful. is great, yeah. Um, doing the side-by-side PS2 and PS3 comparisons, mm-hmm. just really clean in the remaster. And um, they did a lot more facial work, which mm-hmm. was kind of needed, you know.
1: Especially with such a story that can pull you in so emotionally. When you see the faces more clearly, you kind of connect better, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, like I was reading on it. Um, so this game takes a lot of heat for its voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, is a fair criticism. Um, it is early voice acting. I, yeah, for, I was going to say, games. wasn't it? Yeah. Like
1: kind of the first of its kind yeah. or
0: to be so uh fully voice acted, I would okay. say. Now there was there were <laughs> already like, you know, there's like synthetic voices in the old arcade games. Like I was playing the other night um for the uh RGB high score challenge shout out to Retro Game Brews. Um the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> uh 4 Turtles in Time and it's like the big Apple. <laughs> that's like super like like staticky and synthesized (laughs) so uh, there were i don't know if you would call that voice acting but there were voice well i mean yeah yeah you could say right that that sounds fair Mm -hmm. um but this game though has a lot of voice acting in it so there's that uh and it's early and then on top of that the localization that had to happen so obviously there's facial animations but the mouths match the japanese voice track
2: Mm. not the
0: english one so then the english voice actors had to watch this already primitive and clunky facial animations for a completely different language Mm. and then come in and try and you know deliver their lines in (laughs) some sort of (laughs) dramatic way without sounding ridiculous and sometimes they do sound ridiculous you know like yuna especially has these bizarre pauses yeah she's just like i i think that <laughs> i would like to be, come a summoner <laughs> like, like what like who talks like that yeah but
1: i was just gonna mention like how you had said before you know like it's no wonder oren's line delivery is so like spot on because he can't see his mouth yes. at all yes
0: yeah he lucked out he kind of reminded me of that character that patrick stewart plays on nausicaa the valley of the wind who has oh, a yeah. bushy mustache yeah. in front of his face so yeah that he could just deliver his lines however he wanted to <laughs> but yeah oren's got that that collar thing on his cool red cloak monk suit whatever it is <laughs> so it kind of masks his mouth from a lot of the game mm-hmm. so he lucked out but so yeah, obviously we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy X. This episode is entitled "Original Sin," which I loved. That that was the very first uh, title suggestion that we got from one of the mages. Shout out to uh, the Blue Moon Mage. Pretty for clever. That. that that was an amazing, amazing one. I was like, there you go. I don't even need <laughs> to hear the rest of these. Uh, and the rest of them were middling. We'll say some of them were pretty good. Some of them were, were middling. I I came up with the all-time worst podcast title, which is kind of a running gag now, which was for the uh, Donkey Kong episode. Mm. <laughs> I suggested Banana Hammock. Oh, yeah. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that's a running gag. Um. So Final Fantasy X was put out originally on the PS2 in 2001. Wow. So this is uh, this is an old game. I mean, it's almost 20 years old. Wow. Right? That's right for math, right? Yeah, because it's 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's crazy. A couple more years. On the PS2, Squaresoft. A couple interesting things about Final Fantasy X. Uh, I wrote down a list of firsts and lasts. This uh, short list was sort of inspired by... Uh, sketchy game reviewer at srik360 on twitter who said first final fantasy of the ps2 generation first final fantasy to use utilize voice acting first final fantasy to break my heart with that ending first final fantasy to have a death metal intro lots of firsts um so i wrote down it's the first double digit entry uh, it's the first to get a direct sequel which we will not discuss especially with my wife here (laughs) first with voice acting i wrote down um it's the first with an asian polynesian influenced world this very tropical uh south pacific world um which i want to touch on a little bit but it's also the first with the ctb battle system uh it's the first final fantasy not entirely composed by Uh, legendary, iconic composer Nobuo Uematsu. Last I've heard is he's ill, so a speedy recovery to him and many more years of great creative uh, work ahead of him, hopefully. Uh, It is the first with 3D areas, and it is the first with playable summons, the Aeons in this game. As for lasts, I jotted down that it was the last game with pre-rendered backgrounds in certain areas. And it was the last Final Fantasy to say Square Soft on the cover. Mm. The following uh, numerical entry, Final Fantasy XI, I looked it up, said Square Enix. Yeah, original says Square. Square Soft. Yeah, and to clarify, the original cover on the PS2 says Square Soft. Square Enix was formed, I think it was, uh, 2003. So two years after the original. Um, and then the remaster is plenty of time after that. So Square Enix. So this is sort of like one of Square Soft's last big projects. And certainly the last, uh, big entry in the Final Fantasy series, which was their flagship title for years, still kind of is, I'll say it's lost its way a little bit. Um, I hope that. Well, I have lots of hopes for Final Fantasy 16, so hopefully that's uh, that's good. Um, yeah, I did want to touch on the interesting influences of the world. So, looking into it a little bit, it was influenced by uh, Thailand, the South Pacific, and Japan. So, this Final Fantasy um has this real interesting world where it's tough to place as either medieval or science fiction. And we've seen um, in Final Fantasies 1 through 9, um, either this very high fantasy, swords and sorcery, Dungeons and Dragons kind of a motif, Mm -hmm. um, or we've seen sort of like the science fiction cyberpunk (laughs) uh, sort of a thing going on. Um, Like Cloudu riding on his motorcycle and stuff like that. (laughs) It's very, very science fiction-y. Um, There are science fiction elements in this, but the world is not specifically like castles and dragons and dungeons and things like that. Um, It's a very interesting world. I like that there's technology that at a glance you don't really understand. Um, I like that it has all these cultural layers to it. Mm -hmm. It's like they picked out a bunch of cultures in the Pacific and blended them in interesting ways. I think specifically you can see a lot of that with the uh, Yevon, uh religion that's very uh, much a center focus of this game. Um, it's almost like a combination of, uh, like, uh, I want to say, like, Hinduism and, like, Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Where you have, like, this, like, you have, like, the, the structure, say, of Catholicism that's very, like, rigid and uh, hierarchical and things like that. And then you've got... Um, also this uh, sort of like polytheistic kind of a concept to it at the same time. So it's just an interesting like fusion of ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. I think what you mentioned too, with the the culture that they created there, it's, it's really interesting because it's not just something that you look at and you're like, oh yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. I know what this culture is, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, there's so many layers to it that they put thought into that it's like you have to learn about the culture just like you would stepping into another culture. That's not your own, you know? Yeah. And that makes it kind of fun to kind of figure out, okay, where are we? What's going on here? You know? Yeah. So, um, same thing with the religion too. It's like, Oh, you know, you're kind of figuring it out with, with Titus, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> that so, Yeah, it's fun that you get to discover that with him.
0: Yeah. So I think, um, well, like one thing I read is that um, a couple people praised the main character uh, when the game was originally released as not being a typical RPG protagonist. Uh, He's not a knight in shining armor. He's not a rogue. He's not, um, he's really not even that heroic. Mm
2: -hmm. He's kind
0: of, especially at the beginning of the game, uh, he's kind of clumsy and uh awkward definitely um grading you know to a lot of the other cast members um lulu and kimari are kind of the two at the beginning of the game they're just really like oh my gosh this guy <laughs> especially like lulu she's just like can you not come with us you know <laughs> it's like yeah would you want this like loud like hey guys kind of a character yeah. with you all the time not really but he serves a good function, I think, for the the way that the story is told and everything that needs to be told about its world as the POV character. Mm-hmm. So he is the outsider, mm-hmm. right? Um, even more so than Riku. Uh, Riku is not a Yevanite. She's Albaid. Um, so she's an outsider in that sense, but he's not even from the same plane. And we'll get into that in a <laughs> minute, too. But he... So he sort of asks the questions for the player, I think. Yeah. You know, things will happen and he'll be like, oh, oh what's that? <laughs> <laughs> that's my tightest impression. And uh <laughs> and so I think that uh I think that the player is served by his cluelessness. Mm-hmm. Um it's a good it's a good device, um, but that doesn't bridge upon whether his character is appealing or not i guess we'll say so now uh, before we get into the characters because i really want to talk characters for this i know we both do um Mm -hmm. lots of people you know well not lots of people it seems like most people liked this game um there are a lot of people who do not like this game i i think it's interesting one of the observations that i had was um A lot of people seem to like this game, but the people that don't like this game really don't like this game. Like we'll go out of their way to say how much they hate this game, (laughs) um, which is fair. I mean, you know, not everything can be for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the main character is kind of at the heart of that. Um, but we, before we get into main characters and, and the cast and talk about all these things, um, you Because know, I, I think that... Oh, that's what I was going to say. My response to those who sort of dismiss this game outright is I think this game has really great character development. Mm, really great yes. character development. Uh, the characters do not exist as caricatures. Yeah. The characters, the full main cast um, of playable characters um, go through a lot of um, improvement and self-maturity over time. And they become um, sort of these like pillars of of their ideals by the end of the game. I and mean, there's
1: something about each one that they've gone through. Something that somewhere you can connect emotionally with you know each of them.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's the case. Some of them overcome some major issues. Mm-hmm. So um, if anything, I mean, that's one of the, the best parts about the storytelling here, I think, is mm-hmm. how well these characters develop over time
2: mm-hmm.
0: but um before that though just wanted to touch on just basic moments and memories that you might have in this game <laughs> favorite favorite moments and scenes
1: oh goodness you know it's been a long time since we went through it but right.
0: and like we kind of did re- yeah we kind of did a little bit of summary we
1: recapped on some of this um <laughs> i would just remember all the Cutesy parts, you know, between mm. <laughs> Titus and Yuna when he first sees her and she kind of like shakes her hair and, you know. Oh, when she's coming <laughs> the out of, light the is Hall shining of the behind, faith. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, how would you not fall in love? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the scene you can't forget the kiss and everything in the water and it's all like blue and sparkly and <laughs> beautiful. Super magical. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When she's performing the sending on the water.
1: Oh, yeah. That's such a great scene. The sending on the water is beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, I just always thought that was a really nicely emotional scene. You get to see a lot of grief um, that's that's pretty well performed for these early 3D models and things like that. And they did do some early motion capture um, for this game. You could tell in some points it's still in its very much infant infant stages. Uh but it is present. I think that scene is really good when Yuna performs ascending. Mm-hmm.
1: Um And of course I always remember the the opening with um, you know, the blitz ball tournament and the strange ghost child <laughs> and oh, yeah. your first uh, encounter with sin. And, yeah. And Orin, and, like a boss Oren, standing
0: yeah. on a scaffolding and something like <laughs> holding up his sake. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, one of the, the very earliest, well, probably the earliest memory I have of this game before I even owned it mm-hmm. was when it came out. Um, I was still living in Hawaii. It was about a year before I left Hawaii because um, I moved in 2002, I think it was. And uh, I was walking through the mall. This is Prince Kuhio Mall in Hilo. Um, and in the window of one of the game stores there, might have been KB Toys or something like that, some old store that yeah. there isn't anymore. Um, not GameStop, pretty sure. But they had a display TV in the window, and it was cycling through the... Um, the opening cut scene, the sort of the title cut scene where they're all sitting around the fire and that beautiful piano piece mm-hmm. piece plays uh, to Zanarkand. And um, I thought it was such a peaceful, um, suspenseful uh, scene. Everybody's sort of sitting around and you can tell they're uncomfortable. Like there's something impending. Um, I couldn't put my finger on that at the time because I didn't know the context or mm-hmm. anything like that. But there's a great moment where uh, Titus stands up and he walks behind Yuna and he puts his hand on her shoulder and you can see that he squeezes her shoulder very slightly and she sort of does this like nod toward his hand and even way back then, now I was much younger so I probably couldn't articulate it like this, but I thought that uh, it was this great character moment that was silent where they were saying to each other it's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. that amount of character in these in the 3D environments now, I thought was just mind blowing. I was blown away. I thought the music was absolutely gorgeous. The very first piece I ever learned to play on piano from start to finish was 2 Um So that's a really special uh, track to me. So that's one of my favorite scenes in this game. It's just the.
1: I'm having it, a Zanarkand. weird memory come back to me <laughs> uh-huh. when I was in college. Um... They, I was taking a you know 3D animation class, and one day they decided to play a Final Fantasy movie.
0: Oh, I think so, I know the story.
1: Yeah, huh? Just uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, I don't remember which which um, movie it was. Honestly, I know
0: which movie it was based on. You okay, telling me yeah, story of the story. Yeah,
1: I yeah. So I don't know. I just remember you know, my teacher just pointing out, look at those, you know, the eyes on these characters and, you know, and that's the movie. I know that that's a lot more detailed than, uh, than the games, but it was just, yeah, it was beautiful to see this game. Oh yeah. Or this that's movie. it right there. So yeah, this is final but, fantasy,
0: <laughs> the spirits within,
1: uh, yeah. So that, I guess that's my first encounter with a uh, final fantasy, in all truth, so...
0: Okay. Yeah, I remember um when this movie came out, being super excited and just being like, I wonder what chocobos are going to look like. I wonder what moogles are going to look... Because this is before the internet, right? So I didn't know what it was going to look like. And then I went to see it and I was like, what was that? And I remember being really upset about it. So fan expectations even back then. Now it's like, I mean, games are past this already. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? Yeah, so...
1: Anyway, sorry. anyway, a little aside, no,
0: that's good, <laughs> that's good. um, any other interesting moments in this game that you like? um I always thought the thunder planes were really iconic um. I hate dodging lightning bolts. I hate it yeah, so much. Yeah, that
1: just felt like you would <laughs> never get through the lightning bolts. Yeah,
0: I, I don't think I've ever completed that myself. I think my brother did it for me on my original run-through. Wow. Nathaniel, shout out to you, sir, because you deserve the applause for dodging 200 <laughs> lightning bolts in a row. But just the music was really good. That uh, Anyways... Um, I like that area. Um, definitely liked going into the temples and hearing the, uh, the hymn of the faith. Um, yeah. I thought that was just a really nice, peaceful and relaxing sort of a sound to it. Um, so we're both religious people, right? I, I wouldn't even say it like that necessarily. So I I know that you and I have our beefs with many beefs with religion mm-hmm. um, in its various forms. Um, I think that you and I would both say that uh, religiosity is kind of an awful thing. Mm-hmm. And we're interested in sort of the, the uh, basic ideas of, uh, of, of religion, right? Uh, even that's kind of a, an oversimplification. Maybe theology. <laughs> yeah. Theology is yeah. a good term yeah. for that rather than religion. Um, mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I really liked about this game, uh, religion is is very much central, like I mentioned earlier, to Final Fantasy X. Um, of course, it's not portrayed in in like this positive sense, um, which is actually a common thread through JRPGs like Final Fantasy X. Um, and I'm going to be talking about that more in depth in a brief uh, one-bit bonus content episode. We're going to start rolling out uh, 1-bit bonus content for patrons pretty soon. So if you want to hear me talk about uh, my thoughts on the history of religion and how it's presented in video games, that's going to be the subject of the first episode. And each episode is going to be slightly different. But here, it's presented as Yevin is this religion that's based on a lie, essentially, that uh, the characters discover... As the game goes on, and it breaks a lot of their perceptions of the way their world is and the way that things function. And the uh, last boss of the game, of course, ends up being um, you Yevon, or sort of the central figure of their religion. Now, fighting God is kind of, again, it's a, a trope or a cliche even in JRPGs, believe it or not. Um yeah. Oh. Good figure. <laughs> yeah, good figure. They're <laughs> not fighting like like God like like a monotheistic kind of a idea. Like you Yevin isn't actually uh sort of a monotheistic God figure. Mm-hmm. He's almost like a prophet kind of figure. Mm-hmm. Um or like a first in a succession, mm-hmm. like an apostolic kind of figure, I don't know, something like that. But um certainly a lot of like especially in the nineties. Uh, villains are like, you know, getting power hungry, like Kefka. Kefka becomes sort of like this god of non-existence, uh, god of chaos kind of a thing, and you fight him at the end of the game. But one thing that I, I liked about that, though, and and this might sound odd since I'm a Christian, but I liked that this game demonstrates that religion can be falsifiable, One of the things that pops up every once in a while when I talk to people about um, theology is they'll suggest that the Christian concept of God is uh, not just unprovable but unfalsifiable. Mm -hmm. Um, It can't be proven. It can't be disproven. I don't actually agree with that. Um, I think that you could come up with a way. Now, I don't think that anybody has done it, um, otherwise, I wouldn't be a Christian because I think that reason is primary. Primary, But um, I think that it's falsifiable if you could demonstrate an internal inconsistency that brings the whole house down in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Antony Flew, um, famous, infamous for changing his mind on atheism toward the end of his life, um, read his book. But um, one of his early atheistic attempts um, to falsify Christianity or the, the Christian God model was to say that um, there are attributes of God um, described in Orthodox Christianity, which are inherently contradictory. So I think that's one potential approach. And I think that those discussions are not evil. I think that it's it's good to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. I think that it's good to have doubts, in a sense. Um, certainly, the Bible, you and I both know, um, anticipates that people are going to have doubts. Um, so that's a real thing. I think it's good to ask questions. Um, I think it's good to search and seek. You know, yeah. that was something that I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, even. Jesus says, you know, seek me, you know, with all of your heart and everything, you know. So he wants seeking to go on, you know, to -hmm. to come to that conclusion. He gave us reason, you know, um, because he had
0: it from the start, you know. (laughs) Right. Um, And so that's that I think is an interesting point at which uh you can come at the subject of faiths and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is gonna sound weird probably too to a lot of people. Um uh, but I think the Enlightenment was good. Um I think the Enlightenment was good in that it it helped make reason and rationality um something that was central. That I think that that the the, the writers who came out of the Enlightenment who, um, you know, sort of follow the, the Nietzschean uh, death of God idea um, that now we have rationality, we can pull back the curtain and see that it's just um, an old man behind the Wizard of Oz, so to speak. <laughs> um, and th- I think that's good because that dispenses with a lot of the silliness and the mysticism Of a lot of religious structures, Mm -hmm. which I'm all too happy to dispense with. Um, I think a lot of it is is baloney. Yeah. Um, And
1: if you couldn't search it out, then anybody could make up anything, you know, and we'd have to be forced to believe everything, which makes no sense. It's illogical.
0: So like, um, you know, I'm happy to dispense with the idea of like cloud wizards and and all kinds of, you know, ridiculous Mm -hmm. things. Um, But you can actually see how a robust um, intellectual discussion has built up um, in theological circles since the enlightenment. Um, Theologians, you know, I, I, my brother sent me a theology textbook and, I don't even know if it's a textbook, but it's a book on the problem of pain or why is there evil in the world if there's a God and so on and so forth. It had been a long time since I read a theology book, but it was it was it was robust. It wasn't, you know, um, falling back on, well, this is just what we know from Scripture. You know, it was pretty much just talking about um, different philosophical routes around different variations of the problem of pain. But all that to say, coming back to Final Fantasy X, that I think falsifiability is a good thing. um I told a friend of mine, if you can prove to me that this is wrong, then please do. You know, I would rather know what is true than you know just think I'm imagining mm-hmm. something is true,
1: and I feel like that's what the characters in Final Fantasy did as well, you know, like they had good intentions and they started out, you know, on this route. I believe this. I mean, especially Yuna. Yeah. Not so much T he's kind of just like, wait, what? Yeah. You believe this because of why? You know. But I mean, and then she comes to understand slowly but surely, okay, this this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense and this is all starting to be contradictory. Um, but she continues, you know, to learn as she goes and, and it's not like it turns her into this like evil person. She just, you know, she continues her mission in a different way, but she's still being like, I don't know, like really noble and continuing her cause, I guess, you know? No.
0: And that's, that's, that's a good thing too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, is she doesn't sort of stop believing in these things and then goes and opens up an atheist forum where (laughs) she can leave like snarky comments, Mm -hmm. right? And start wearing a fedora. But that's an internet joke. Um, But she retains a sense of this is still what I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sin still needs to be defeated. But the previous methodology that I had um, from the previous theology that I had, well, I did not even know if you would call Yevanism a theology, but what? Yeah, because I was like, how oh, that's interesting." Is it a religion? I guess so. It
1: seems like it the yeah. way it's portrayed. Well, it has
0: prayers. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and obviously it's crowded with um, theological terminology like faith, although they spell it with a Y. <laughs> um, sin, of course. Um various other things. It'd be so interesting to just uh really dissect and analyze just Yevinism itself.
1: Yeah. I would like to pick the brains of the people who came up with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like let's <laughs> uh, get an interpreter.
2: Yeah, there's like
0: <laughs> Nomura is just like, Yeah, you know what? We just as long as it had belts and zippers. And <laughs> that's all we cared about. Really. It's the religion of belts and zippers. Um but yeah, I like that they, they overcome this, they discover truth, truth is discovered, mm-hmm. um, and they work through their disillusionment to discover how they can still uh, be meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still based on real realities, so it's not like they just sort of come out of their disillusionment and they're like, well, then I'm just going to make up my purpose. Well, there's mm-hmm. still so there's still a purpose to be had. It's just that their primary purpose before that was incorrect, um, obtaining the final aeon, sacrificing the summoner, uh, and stopping sin for 10, 15 years, or however long a calm lasts, and giving the people of Spira a false hope. Um, and then Sim comes back, and it has to the pilgrimage has to be started over again.
1: So I think it's interesting that. Unaleska, you know, Lady Unaleska, she tells them, you know, straight up, there's no defeating sin. The cycle continues. So this is, you know, through this whole process, they've had their, you know, religion shattered, you know, every belief that they have, you know, and then they get told this. So this is what, you know, Una's been trained for, and you know, her whole life has been dedicated to this. So. It's pretty cool that she doesn't just, you know, like you said, you know, let me just make some other purpose for my life or whatever. She's still like, you know, I got to figure this out, but it's not how I think it's supposed to be. But I think there needs to be something done here. Maybe it's not true what Lady Unaleska is saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can, you know, and that's really inspiring.
0: Yeah, I think so. And two, they retain their community um they retain sort of their their um their party right and their relationships with each other
1: and that's pretty impressive right you know yeah, like how many people would you know <laughs> like throw in the towel and just be like that's it i'm out of here i've fought all these crazy monsters and
0: yeah i'm tired <laughs> right exactly but yeah so you don't see a uh, a giving up or a uh, a hatefulness or cynicism from these characters, because mm-hmm. well, I think at that point too they've already grown quite a bit. Yeah. Um. So let's get into the characters. Okay. Now, um, I still think there's so much that could be said about this world, but yeah, you can't talk about it for forever because it's yeah, it's just so rich. Um. So, first, first character obviously is the main character. Now, <laughs> pronunciations. <laughs> I have always said Titus. I don't care if they pronounce it in game as Titus. I don't care if they say it in Kingdom Hearts as Titus To <laughs> me, it is Titus. Why? Because Titus sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds like tedious. It sounds it sounds ridiculous. Okay, and think too. Tide this. Tide is sort of like water is a theme of this game. Uh, it's it's present everywhere. It's South Pacific influenced titus makes the most he's sense
1: he's swimming in that blitzball sphere of exactly water.
0: yeah titus and two, titus sounds like titus the uh greek roman name titus um i gotta get that second t really well pr- pronounced uh, <laughs> titus um so i was like there's there's precedent for this now i i don't like titus but uh i'm gonna accept that titus is probably the actual way to pronounce this and
1: that's probably what i'm going to keep saying because that's what i remember waka calling him right
0: it's it's correct (laughs) it's the correct pronunciation however
1: uh, we did watch a strange video with the weirdest pronunciation that either of us (laughs) go ahead
0: and say it i'm going to be too embarrassed
1: Oh, i don't know if i can um (laughs) yeah i didn't think it was possible to mess this name up any further but someone did and pronounced it Titus. Titus?
0: And... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Titus, really? Titus. Titus. Yeah.
1: It's terrible. Oh, my I gosh. Yeah,
0: that was a funny pronunciation. <laughs> so whether it be Titus, Titus, or Titus, <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, we could get to the character himself. So we talked a little bit about um, Titus. As a uh, POV character. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the other day that he sort of is like a Han Solo character. Okay, so let me unpack that. Han Solo and Titus are not at all the same qualitatively. Han Solo is a great character. Okay, <laughs> and I'm not overly fond of, of Titus. But uh, Han Solo is the rogue the the trump card if you will the wild card in um the star wars original trilogy he's the only character that's operating outside of everybody else's rigid um sense of law politics or the force he's just like i don't care i'm just here for the money yeah he's like a self-serving kind of a but he's one of the most interesting characters in the in the original trilogy because of that because he's the guy that you're not that you don't expect, you don't know what necessarily he's going to do when he shows up at the end of New Hope and saves Luke from Darth Vader chasing him down that chasm on the Death Star. Spoilers, then, spoilers. Have <laughs> you seen a New Hope? Get out of my house! Um, <laughs> but uh, when he does that, you're like, oh yeah, because it's 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 victorious for Han Solo to do that, um, and you weren't expecting it because he doesn't fit in. Okay, in the same sense. Titus doesn't fit into this world. He is the outsider character. He's the one that's asking all the questions. He's the one that, like, when Waka's like, "You can't go in there. It's forbidden." Mm -hmm. You know that he's like, "I'll do what I want." You know, (laughs) forget it. Yeah. Titus, I wrote down. I was trying to think of like what do each of these characters represent, like most fundamentally. Hmm. Um, And I wrote down freedom. Um, I think that. Titus represents, again, that being outside of a lot of structures of Spira. He represents a sense of freedom and and buoyancy and uh, buoyancy, water. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Um, (laughs) Titus, ladies and gentlemen, um, (laughs) uh, of uh, sort of like happy-go-luckiness and and fluidity that a lot of people. Fluidity. Fluidity. (laughs) There we go. Water. uh, A lot of people in this game don't have. Right, um, mm-hmm. so one of the interesting things about the cover of the remaster mm-hmm. is they position Titus and Yuna um in almost like a yin yang symbol um where they look as if they're complementary but opposite at the same time, and really, they are mm-hmm. very opposite in terms of personality and character mm-hmm. um Yuna is very much about her duty mm-hmm. her uh her dedication to what she is there to do and titus is very much like you know let's just why don't you not go and just live your own normal life forget mm-hmm. about it so um and that takes us neatly to or oh, did you have any thoughts on titus i'm trying oh, to think sorry <laughs> no i was gonna ask <laughs> huh. is he handsome to you okay not there because he looks like you know, well on the cover super he's effeminate like, yeah, like yeah
1: like Gorgeous, in <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know I'm how I'm start.
2: gonna start doing my hair now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, how would you
0: rate him on like a scale of one? This to is it. uncomfortable. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable?
1: <clears throat> oh gosh. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah <You're> know that. <laughs> just in case you know what's going on i'm showing my wife pictures of titus and she's like oh oh
1: no oh oh." yeah i don't know he's got
0: yeah oh there's a real person
1: Mm. i don't know it you know (laughs) it seems like peter pan there (laughs) i i don't know what to say there's like this this boyish Cuteness, I guess, but he's not like this, like dashingly handsome
2: man or anything.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, let's stop looking at pictures of Titus. (laughs) I need to say. I need to say that. That is good. (laughs) Oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right.
1: I'm sorry. I pull okay. it
0: together. Yeah, pull it together. Okay. So, anyways, let's, uh, did you have thoughts on Titus before okay. I asked you that ridiculous question?
1: <laughs> so, you mentioned freedom, and I guess that's all, you know, tied in with the, the words that come to my mind. Free spirit, free will, and, you know, it's almost like you know, the whole like committee in your brain and all these different parts of this committee and each of these characters has something that goes on in your mind at some point, you know, whether you're the duty driven one or this free spirit one, Hmm. you've got something going on in your mind. So he's that, that free will inside of you. That's just like, why not? You know, the one that asks why.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. But a, and boyishness is mm-hmm. a good description for Tyus, Titus, I think, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he kind of is just like, huh, yeah, I do what I want <laughs> in my weird outfit. Uh, Yuna. <laughs> Yuna. So mm-hmm. Yuna, I would describe her with the word duty. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuna is the character that resonated the most with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really like Yuna. Um, I think I can tend to be kind of duty driven as well. And I get focused on doing a job and not really putting like emotion or thought into life itself around me. Mm. And I'm just like, I must get this task done. So I think there's that, that kind of made me kind of connect with her, you know. Mm -hmm. And of course, because she's female (laughs) yeah, and, you know. Everyone gets excited for, you know, heroic lady or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. There's debate on that, but. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's, yeah, that's your sphere of And, you know, she's,
1: she's cutesy, she's pretty, she's strong, she's, you know, all these things. And um, there is definitely something magical about her, you know, when she can... <laughs> When she can send, you know, all these spirits, you know, and, and, you know, just work so hard at doing something. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what else to say. You could probably edit
0: half that. Oh, no. Uh, the stream of consciousness stuff is rather good. Um, so Yuna takes her name from Lady Unaleska, um, the first uh, person to defeat Sin uh, alongside her husband. Um, and so Yuna's father, uh, Lord Broska, who was a summoner who defeated Sin before Yuna, um, was the one who gave Yuna her name, obviously. So in that, she has that sense of becoming a summoner herself and fulfilling this duty to defeat Sin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But what I really liked about Yuna is how much she cared for the people around her. She's a very, very, very selfless person, mm-hmm. um, which is what reminded uh, me of you as well. Um, she so is, sweet. oh, yeah, I know, um, brownie points. <coughs> what did you say? I said brownie points. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but she is though, she's very much a selfless person. I love that. She's sort of trapped by that at a certain point. Right. And there's that great scene, the makeout scene, right? <laughs> um, where Titus in his boyishness is like, well, why don't you just don't go on the pil- pilgrimage? Let's go do whatever we we want to do. And she sort of goes along with it for a little bit and has this little fantasy. Mm -hmm. But um, it is her final fantasy. (laughs) Um, And she has this great moment where she starts to cry and she says, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't just do whatever I want to do. I have responsibility to the people of Spira. I have a responsibility to the memory of my father You know, in my very name, to do mm-hmm. these things. Um, I just think she's a really great character, um, yeah. with a lot of emotional depth. Um, a lot of that depth is very much behind this sort of slight, um, f- femininity that she has that she's very, just, you know, kind of a, a, a very feminine. Yeah. Like a very petite girl, but, um, there's a lot of emotional weight to that character that I think is really good. Um, She's also half Albaid. She has the two different colored mm. eyes, which we noticed more this time around, right? The yeah. the green is the Albaid eye. And then the blue is the, you know, Yevanite or whatever the other
1: race, race is. I guess <laughs>
0: it's called. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a scene right there at the end when she's delivering this monologue to the people of Spira that, You know, sin is gone, but we're gonna remember the people that you know have gone on Mm -hmm. to wherever else it is that they go. Um, She's obviously thinking of Titus, but behind her is Riku, who is Mm -hmm. Elbeid, and Kimari. Um, and we thought that they synchronized with her eye colors, right? Yeah. So, so Yuna is sort of like this bridge, almost like a mediator type mm-hmm. of figure, this bridge between two races, two different fields of thought, um, branches of thought and bringing those things together. So she's also a uniting figure, right?
1: And as we mentioned, uh, there's also almost this ability to be empathetic with everyone, you know, because she can kind of see the world through their eyes in a sense. You know, mm. she has half of this side and half of that side. You know, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then I, I think it's so interesting in that same scene. She says, "You know, like don't forget your dreams." And how mm. interesting that is, because you know, Titus is a dream in a sense. Her you dream know, dream boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Yeah, I think
0: that's good. And definitely her empathy is is like hugely inspiring. Um, great character.
1: And how interesting you know you're mentioning the yin and yang and you know the free spirit of Titus and he's so like you know he's in a place where he's not really invested with the people you know because supposedly you know this Xanarkin that he's supposed to be from is like Completely gone a thousand years ago. So everyone he knows, everyone he loves, everything he's familiar with, it's gone. So there's really nothing for him to be empathetic about, you know, and where he is currently. So that's kind of cool to see there little yeah. balance there too of like she just feels for everyone and he's just like well just forget about it you know yeah. like yeah what does it matter and know? he's
0: very self-centered at the start of this game too he's very much like you know especially with his internal monologue he's very much about like him not seeing Xanarkin again and you know what's in it for him and sort of thing not in like a grotesque way but a very human way a very human way yeah um, I think that Titus definitely becomes less self-centered over the course of the mm-hmm. game. Um, and Yuna sort of has to break out of that other's centeredness to an extent and be like, this is what I want to do. And not just I'm fulfilling my father's dream. So Yeah.
1: So they both give each other, you know. Piece that, of themselves. Yeah. yeah. So she's got the, you know, the bit of that free spirit from him. of Just like, okay, I need to make a choice. And then he gets that, you know what? I need to be responsible and I need to help others, you yeah.
0: know? Yeah, it's great. Great character. One of my favorite Final Fantasy couples, probably. Yuna mm-hmm. But definitely Yuna uh, Okay, <laughs> let's talk about Waka. Waka is kind of a love him or hate him kind of a guy, but what a lovable character, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. I do uh, too.
0: Yeah. He sounds like like almost all my friends growing up sounded like Waka. <laughs> um it was so hilarious to me to hear sort of like this pigeon English uh Hawaiian accent, Polynesian accent, uh in this game. I was just mm-hmm. like, wow uh at the time. And his hair is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah. Nobody's hair can do that. Like this quail thing. <laughs> Um, but two is so he's like one of those characters that at at first you're just kind of like well he's just like a goofy comedic relief kind of a character Mm. but waka too has this incredible um character depth to him Mm -hmm. um i wrote down traditions as a word that describes Mm. titus i'm titus excuse me waka um waka is very much a religious person Mm. not necessarily a spiritual person In that he's uh, interested in the sort of the realities and the experiences, but he's most interested in the structures. uh, In this is how you do the prayer. This is what this is like. He's Mm -hmm. sort of like always explaining things to Titus early on in the game, Um, and he knows the lore. He he knows um, you know the histories that Yevon has put out. So he's very much attuned to the religiosity Mm -hmm. of Yevon. Um, But beneath that too, he has this, uh, this prejudice, right? This racial prejudice Mm -hmm. to see actual like racism depicted in a video game is pretty interesting, especially this early on 2001. Um, But Waka is prejudiced against the outbed because from the Yevan teachings, uh, sin was brought into the world because uh, of the overuse of machina. and the Albed are supposedly the only people who are using Makina in this world. So the forbidden art is 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 Makina, um, and of course later Riku, who is Albed, mm-hmm. uh, joins the party. Yuna, who is half Albed, is mm. is part of the party. Um, Waka has a lot of character growth and maturity that he goes and, through.
1: I mean, didn't his brother die yes. Yes. at the hand of the Machina or what? Sin. Sin, But okay.
0: he was using a Machina weapon. So... So
1: that kind of rationalizes it for yeah. him. Yeah. Like... So, right.
0: And so I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that earlier and I totally forgot about it. It rationalizes it because he's got at least some sense of loss and a real impactful loss the death of his brother um because of this and it seems to fit in with what he believes right Mm -hmm. um
1: and i think it's interesting because we all have some sort of like prejudice whether it's um directed at people or not you know
0: bias biases i guess that would be a better
1: word um And you know, like for some reason, it's popping in my head of like, you know, when we're trying to choose names for our kids, and then it's like, you mention a name, it's like, oh no, I knew a person with that name, and they were just (laughs) awful. I would never name my kid that, you know. So it's it's interesting that you know you have one encounter with one person, and it just ruins that whole thing for you, you know, kind of thing. So. I think that's kind of what happened with Waka. He, you know, had this one experience that was really deep and really profound, and it just, you know, made this really big, you know, chasm of prejudice inside his heart. You know, maybe there was Mm -hmm. a touch of it already there because of the teachings that he was you know, involved in and, mm. uh, you know, believed all his life or whatever. But that kind of cemented and, it. Yeah. yeah. And then this horrible event happens and he's like, I knew it, you know, yeah. and it just kind of was like, it's, it's that, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: And it actually lasts for quite a bit of the game. I think it's only after you get the airship that the, the other characters are kind of like, okay, Waka, um, you know what? We need to address this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does, he pulls out of it, uh, and p- pulling out of racial prejud- prejudice is a huge amount of mm-hmm. character growth. Um, mm-hmm. So to say that from a caricature point that just Waka is racist is not enough. He's a real character uh, mm-hmm. that ha- that has a lot of real issues that people deal with. And to see him mature out of that is, I think, really a great thing. It doesn't lessen the grief that happened to him, mm-hmm. the tragedy that happened to his brother. But at the same time, he develops a new course of understanding to where he can account for that without having to hate an entire people group.
1: Mm-hmm. Not only does he, you know, learn with everybody else of, you know, the the things that are contradictory in the teachings that he's known, um, but he also sees this unity in this group that he's in and like, you know, there's growth there mm-hmm. in each of them and they're all fighting for this like common good and for him to see and experience, you know, a person from that side that he's not really digging, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he's prejudiced against, uh, see them doing something good alongside him that he feels good about too. You know, it's like, okay, maybe I was wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's what it takes, I guess. You gotta see that, You know, that's not just this, like, blanket of, like, everybody like this is this way. You know, you have these experiences with some people that are bad and other people that are good, you know. And there's different people doing different things in the same, you know, ethnic groups or whatever, you know. right.
0: Well, you think uh, one of the marks of maturity as a person is discernment, right? A child has no discernment. I mean, we have two children. And we were just talking about earlier about catching our youngest our one year old sticking things into things where he should uh. not stick things into and <laughs> it was like no, what are you doing? uh but he has no discernment. he has no sense of not just right and wrong but uh healthy and not healthy, mm-hmm. harmful and dangerous and and fine and you know so on, but as you mature, you sort of automatically you know learn from your superiors and your superiors learn from your the people who are older than you. Say <laughs> that. <laughs> that sounded weird. Uh, and you, you learn about your environment more and as you learn, you, you develop discernment, mm-hmm. the ability to choose between the right and the wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's for your moral compass. That's for, you know, eating habits. That's for all these things. Now there's ways to ignore those things or maybe you didn't develop them at all, but I think generally speaking, Discernment is a measurement of maturity. For Waka, as he matures out of sort of this uh, comedic kind of a character and into a real character, you see a lot of that discernment come into being where he can say, okay, this that I was taught is wrong. Okay, this that I was feeling towards people is wrong. I'm sorry. I'm going to try and, you know, live my life in a different way, you know, and, uh, and he comes out of it. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm so all right next we're going to talk about lulu (laughs) okay lulu is uh is a character who does not look like she lives in the tropics
1: (laughs) at all yeah that's pretty interesting
0: garb yeah even back then back when i first played it i was like yeah but i mean it's got to be like 95 degrees with like 100% humidity (laughs) out there and the belts are ridiculous Oh, uh,
1: imagine how you'd trip on that and how heavy they would be.
0: well, how would you even put that on i mean would would you have to like put the the robe on and then buckle each belt individually?
1: I just imagined it was just magic no oh, I <laughs> like don't know. a skirt that was like pre buckled you know with uh, all those pieces already on it, and you just slide it right on uh, kind of like a what is it called like a petticoat?
0: Yeah, it looks like a trench coat almost with like what is this uh bodice bodice how it's, um, I don't know how it's pronounced you like, you know how it
1: like a yeah I don't know a girdle a bustier I don't know <laughs> a corset a corset there, there we go. go a corset that's the right word yeah. corset
0: but she is uh the black mage of the party black mages are always awesome uh I really liked that she had um these animated puppets for weapons uh, I remember that, well, there's one right there, the Moogle. Um, when she attacks, like, the puppet will drop down, it'll move and, like, move its hands, and then the, the magic, whatever it was, happens. Hmm. Then the magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But she gets, like, a cactuar and, like, other... I remember the cactuar. Yeah. For some reason I can't
1: remember the Moogle, but he sure I think the Moogle
0: was the first one that she has. Let me see here. Yeah, there's an Onion Knight... I don't know what that blue thing is. It looks like a Pikmin almost. Um, yeah, there's a cactuar right there. Mm-hmm. She has a Kate Sith. That's from Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, my favorite character from Seven. Oh, here's a cute picture.
2: <laughs> um
0: Anyway, so Lulu, I wrote down uh, the word anger. I think that... Um, so Lulu... Uh, is perfect to discuss after Waka because she was engaged, I believe it was, to Waka's brother. Hmm. Um, so she's resentful towards the way that Waka is handling the grief, um, pretty sure. And then she's also additionally resentful toward Waka in that Waka, at the beginning of the game, is starting to try to treat Titus like his own brother starting to try and treat him as like a, a substitute or a surrogate kind of a, a character. Um, and Lulu confronts him and she's like, you know, like you can't, this is not going to bring Chapu back. Mm-hmm. This is not gonna, you know, he's not going to replace Chapu either. So stop trying to live in your fantasy world. She's kind of like a no BS character. Um, who's just like, you know, what? just, let's just get this done. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like that. Uh, <clears throat> you do a great impression of her voice, which we'll get to eventually. <laughs> um, a lot of people cited her as their favorite character, which I can think of at least two reasons why.
1: <laughs> Another thing that's interesting to think about and, you know, having these two characters back to back, Waka and uh, Lulu, uh, they share the same tragic experience. It seems mm-hmm. uh, from different perspectives and, It's interesting how they respond in different ways, you know, Uh, they both have a degree of anger, um, but she kind of just kind of becomes that, you know, and she's just like, whatever, let's just get this done, you know, and. I don't know what to say about Waka. You know, like we've kind of already said it.
0: That... Well, Waka kind of plays it <laughs> off. And there's this theme that we're not going to be able to get into of entertainment uh, being used to ignore suffering. Um, sort of just like switching the TV on and forgetting about the world. And for this world, Blitzball is that entertainment. It's their one thing that they have. Um, and it
1: so... seems like Lulu could care less about it. you know. Yeah, <laughs> Lulu doesn't really have...
0: Than... Yeah, thank you for correcting that. Uh, Lulu doesn't really have any you know, investment in Blitzball and then she doesn't uh she doesn't really have like an outlet like that like Waka does. I mean mm-hmm. maybe she makes her own puppets or something that we don't know about. But <laughs> it's she has like this, off of the corners sewing. Hobby. Yeah, she's just like it helps me to take my mind off things. But um I think that uh I think that like Titus and Yuna, Waka and Lulu are very much opposite characters in a lot of ways. Um Lulu I think already knows about yuna's Albaid past mm-hmm. uh or mother or whatever it was but i'm pretty sure waka didn't at a certain point um so yeah it seems like they're very much opposites
1: and it seems like you know waka took his anger and directed it at the albed mm-hmm. and she just kind of absorbed her own anger and was just like this happened to me And that's it, you know, Hmm. and not, not putting it uh, as a fault on
0: anyone. It's just like this happened and I'm angry, you know? Yeah. Well, she kind of, I mean, I think she kind of almost turns Waka into a punching bag a little bit verbally, (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, I think she internalizes a lot. Um, But obviously she wears that, um, that tragedy and that uh, resentment, you know, it's, it's a part of her character. Um, so to see her kind of come out toward the end of the game and, and trust people and embrace people, it's not something that I think the game did sappy, sappily,
1: sappily, <laughs> uh, ever sappily after. Ever after.
0: <laughs> I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that this game makes it a big deal, but oh now she can love again. Um, yeah. but, and again, I really didn't play the, the sequel, but I think that she marries Waka in the sequel hmm. and they have a child together. Well now we gotta play the it,
1: sequel because I wanna see this. And they
0: name the the child Wakalulu. I don't know. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anyways. Uh now we got to talk about uh my favorite character in this game. Ladies and gentlemen, Sir Orin. hmm Uh Orin is my favorite character in this game. I love him. The silver fox. He's so cool. Uh those shades, just awesome. But um <laughs> He's another character that, at a glance, a caricature is sort of the hyper-cool anime character that's always, like, you know, with his glasses and, like, mumbling one-liners and stuff like that, the action hero guy. But uh, you find out that he, too, has this interesting past where he was uh, the guardian for um, Yuna's father on his pilgrimage. Um, and Oren discovers, you know, the truth about Yevon's lies... And he comes back, and he swore to protect both Titus and Yuna. Titus, the son of uh his friend Jecht, who is now sin, and Yuna, the daughter of Brasca, who died because of uh defeating sin for the previous time um but he's sort of like Gandalf, in that he holds out he holds out on a lot of answers. Yeah, yeah, it's like why didn't you he, he just knows everything? Yeah. So why doesn't he tell everyone? <laughs> exactly. It's like why didn't you just like tell them at the start of the game, dude? But he realizes, I think, that well, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like determinism and like fatalism to the character of Oren. Like he's dead, right? Mm. So again, spoilers. The game's been out for like 18 years. Shame on you. Uh, but anyways, um, he died. Uh, after confronting Lady Unaleska about uh, the lies of the Yevanite teachings. Um, But he comes back, or he doesn't come back. He remains unsent. So he's dead, but he's not sent to the far plane because he retained, you know, the strong will. JRPG mumbo-jumbo.
1: So, yeah, right. He's strong-willed, so that's why he didn't become that's a fiend. That's why he didn't become a fiend. Okay. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> whatever that means. Strong-willed is like one of those like storytelling band-aids. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. like, we just need him to do whatever we want him to do. Maybe
1: that's like something that got lost in translation. Well, maybe uh, it's like they had a strong character maybe, or something. You
0: yeah. know, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of in Kingdom Hearts when it's like, well, they didn't become a heartless and they didn't become a nobody because they had strong will. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm, 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 Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like, okay. If the wiki can't explain it, then it, it's just, yeah, it's just a storytelling band-aid. But anyway, so he remains an unsent. And so, yeah, you find out, okay, you've been dead the whole time, dude. And then you knew this was going to happen. But he he sort of understands that these people have to work through their understanding of the world and their apprehension of truth on their own which I think is really good thing for a teacher. A teacher, like you can take a, a horse to water, right? But you can't make them drink,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know? So he knows that he can help them along this journey, um, but they have to discover the truth for themselves. They have to cut through that that illusion themselves.
1: Can you think of any situation in the game where he kind of like purposefully sets them up in a situation to figure something out?
0: Hmm. Uh, Not that I can recall. Maybe somebody listening can think of something, but yeah, I can't think of something. Yeah, off the top of
1: my head. I'm not getting anything, but it makes me wonder. Now I want to watch. I mean, he perpetuates their,
0: their journey, you know, Mm -hmm. like he, he even kind of hurries them along a lot of times. Yeah. Like there's this scene where uh, Seymour proposes to Yuna and he's just like, we don't have time for this crap essentially like he says to, to him like you can't just you know you can't slow this down she must reach the end of her journey hmm. uh, and he plays it off as like you know the people of spira deserve this and stuff like that it's like uh, you just want her to get to the end so that she can cut through the illusion so that hopefully we can defeat sin finally Do you think
1: he is tired and he wants to be sent and know that his mission is fulfilled of like keeping these kids safe you know
0: maybe so uh, once the word that i wrote down for orin to summarize him was guilt um i think that the character of orin is driven by guilt he was the one person so it was broska Jekt, and orin who went on this the uh pilgrimage before yuna did mm-hmm. uh broska and jeckt both died well jet became sin broska died Oren was the survivor. I think he had survivor's guilt. Mm. And on top of that, he swore to look after Titus and Yuna. So those were strong enough emotions to tie him to the world as an unsent. But on top of that, he also had this sense of, of guilt that, like, why couldn't it have been him? Why couldn't he have stopped it and prevented the deaths of his friends or prevented the turning of Jack into sin? and so on and so forth. So I think that he's atoning for himself in a lot of ways and going on this pilgrimage with them um, and very much as a part of this party. But, um, yeah, so that's what I think. Uh, a couple more here. I don't think I spelled that correctly. Kimari. Kimari, uh, more of a one-note character, um, but there's still depth to his character as well. He is a Ronso Um, these blue lion people, kitty cat people, um, very much fearsome warrior at the start of the game, uh, doesn't talk to Titus a lot. Um, when he does speak, it's just very short and curt, um, again, a no BS kind of a character. He was enlisted by Orin to look after Yuna, um, so that Orin could go and look after Titus. Um, so Kimari has been a uh, a guardian of Yuna for years uh, by the time the game starts, but um, he is missing his horn. So all the Ronso have sort of like this unicornian horn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his is cut off. Uh, forget how he loses it. It might have been in a fight or something like that. Yeah,
1: I thought it was with...
0: Biran and Yenke. Yeah. (laughs) So funny story on Biran and Yenke. Ryan, if you're listening, I love you. And this is a great (laughs) story from this guy, Ryan, uh, that I used to work together uh, with at Panera Bread. He was my uh, assistant manager, and I was under him. Uh, And we used to just have a lot of fun working together, fun times. Uh, But one thing that... (laughs) that he would always ask me to do, especially after I became a supervisor, um, was well now he wouldn't ask me to do it. He just started doing it and I played along. <laughs> uh we would pretend like we were B Ron and Yankee. <laughs> <That's so sad. laughs> and uh not really like I like jokingly bully our coworkers. So he just be like Poor little David, no horn, ha ha ha. And he'd be like, hornless, hornless. <laughs> and, yeah, and like, obviously, like David didn't know what we were talking about. He'd just be like, w- "What?" <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. I-, I think we we talked about like starting up a b-ron and Yankee YouTube channel, <laughs> just like us, like reviewing things as those characters. That's so silly. That's such a stupid idea. <laughs> 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 Super funny. Uh, so, yeah, Kimari is one of those characters. Again, he starts off rough. Um, by the end of the game, he's he's endearing. Mm-hmm. You, know? Uh, you know that he's utterly dedicated to Yuna. Um, I wrote down the word shame for him because um, he has to endure that shame of not having his horn.
1: And he's, you know, supposedly shorter than the rest oh, yes. of his race. Yeah, I forgot about so that. So yeah. he's kind of like this runt. Yeah. It's like interesting that you first see him and you're not familiar with where he came from and you're just like oh my gosh this character is super intimidating you know but then among his own he's considered puny and yeah you know they're just like
0: poor little kimari yeah yeah uh he he so that explains why he why he's working so hard it's almost like in a sense too he's kind of atoning for himself. Yeah,
1: like trying to find some redeeming quality about himself. Right. Doesn't like who he is. Yeah, he's, he's embarrassed so he and ashamed of who he is. Yeah.
0: Now I thought I always thought if this game killed anybody permanently, like permadeath, <laughs> if they'd killed Kumari it would have been a great story point. Uh because by again by the end of the game he becomes endearing mm-hmm. and he would have died honorably protecting yuna as sort of like this selfless I wonder
1: thing. if he's in the sequel is he i don't okay. i don't know now we got to find out <laughs> we're not
0: playing the sequel <laughs> <laughs> why Did, i don't like, have you seen the sequel no uh it's just so like <sighs> very 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 briefly like the tonality of the sequel is completely different from this game um, um the structure is different um for some reason It's centered around yuna after she becomes like this kind of like a pop star figure (laughs) and it's just like the it's like three girls doing these missions and they're like they're scantily clad they've got like weird like there's like a dress sphere system where you have to like dress them differently for different job classes Hmm. kind of like an interesting play on the job system for final fantasy but it's just like one of those things where i looked at it i was like why (laughs) <laughs> why'd you guys do this like the first game i always thought the you know final fantasy X is very like it has solemn moments it's very austere sometimes regal uh it has dignity uh it obviously has like its silliness and its terrible voice acting <laughs> a lot of times too but i think it has some really powerful emotional beats as well uh ten two 2 has its fans but mostly 10 2 is kind of dismissed as like we don't know why why on earth would you make you know a pop star like it's the game seriously opens with like her doing like a pop concert
1: really yeah
0: it was just like what like i get that she kind of comes out of her shell i guess but it's just so i don't know that's weird yeah is there's almost like no subtlety to it at all i guess mm. is the weird thing anyways okay we're not playing the sequel <laughs> okay uh, you could play it and tell me how it is. <laughs> um, anyways, okay, we got one last playable character here. And that is Riku. See, this is her in the second game. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is Riku in the first game. Riku is an Albed. And uh, she is also kind of an outsider figure. And um, that's actually the, the, the word that I wrote down. Foreigner. See, yeah, that's the... That's the sequel right there. Oh. Which it's not even like that gratuitous for video games. I mean, because there were some really hyper-sexualized video games. But it's, like I've played it a little bit because it's on that collection. Okay. I've played it a little bit and it's, it's really interesting to see what, like, oh, what happens to Waka? Oh, what happens to like all these other characters? But the tonality difference is so jarring that it's ridiculous. Like watching the opening cutscene, it was like,
2: I don't oh no. Na, 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 na.
0: And I was like, what is this? Why? Why would you do this? Why? Mm. Yuna, I thought, was a great character. And then I don't know what they did. They ruined did. her. Yeah, I don't know. And again, maybe there's some justification in that, but I'm not interested. Anyways. Riku. 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 <laughs> um, the outsider, she's the one that breaks the news to Titus. Yuni's going to die, you know? Uh, that once they reach the... Uh, end of the pilgrimage in Xanarkand, that Yuna is going to have to give up her life, and Titus just has like this breakdown like he didn't mm-hmm. realize you know that all this was gonna happen um, I don't think there's a wh- whole lot to say about Riku. She wasn't really like one of my favorite characters. Um, the interesting thing she's the first character that Titus meets in Spira mm-hmm. right because her and the other albade find him in uh, mm-hmm. the ruins um but Yeah. There it is.
1: And does she use uh, Machina for her battle moves?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when she joins, they decide to... uh, Lulu and Yuna and Riku decide to uh, keep her Albed um, heritage from Waka, right? Because that would definitely create like...
1: But it's like when the green eyes give it away i guess but... waka
0: didn't know maybe he never met an maybe albed. he's
1: color blind no, well, <laughs> may-
0: yeah maybe well maybe he just never met an albed and he didn't know that like they have green eyes Oren looks at her in this scene where he's you know he's like show me your face and like she looks up and her eyes are closed mm. And I think he's like eh, open your eyes yeah. dang it. and she opens her eyes he's like as i thought
2: mm. you know
0: so um and he tells her something like if you're gonna be here don't get in the way Otherwise, I will end you. And I don't know what he says, <laughs> but I can't remember. But um, yeah, so there's that. She definitely does play into uh, the story in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Her father is Sid and runs the airship that you get. Um, she is Yuna's cousin. Um, so there's a familial relationship there. Um, but she's very much the outsider for a lot of the other characters in the game.
1: Is there anything in particular that's important about, you know, the fact that she is the one that tells Titus that, you know, sin makes your head funny and Xanarkin is gone. Yeah.
0: Know? I don't know. Um, maybe that's, that's her stance as the foreigner. Cause a lot of the other Yevanites are acting within that system. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And it's interesting that they didn't tell Titus before or they didn't realize that he didn't know that or something. Mm. But she was sort of the one, to break, the news to him. Um, She and Walker are probably the two that explain this world the most. Mm -hmm. Um, So then there is one of the antagonists. I don't like this guy. Mm. Uh, Maester Seymour of the Guado. He is a half... Uh, half Guado, half human. So there's sort of a parallel there to Yuna. He is Yuna's primary antagonist, whereas Jekt Sin is Titus's primary antagonist. And then at the end of the game, you have Yu Yevin who's sort of just this general antagonist. Um, but Seymour is is very much it's just this like slimy dude. I know. like I never found him appealing, even as a villain. Uh, his whole philosophy is that like there's no suffering and death so just going to merge with sin uh as the final aeon go with you know yunnan her pilgrimage and then end the world uh very much a jrpg villain you know just like <laughs> yeah there's no suffering and death so let's all die like yeah but then i, mean, I don't know
1: does he genuine <laughs> genuinely believe that you know, he's gonna give everybody peace, and that they're gonna be happier as dead people, or what?
0: I
2: guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand
1: yeah. completely.
0: Yeah, what he well, because this world too it, still yeah. has consciousness in death. If you have like the unsent.
1: Yeah, but then they could become like fiends and stuff. Yeah. So what? What does he think about a world full of fiends? Of monsters. You know? I don't
0: know. I mean, he could just be crazy. You know, he killed his own father. Right uh, at one point, um, but yeah, and he proposes to Yuna. Oh, their marriage scene, he has a kiss, she has to kiss this oh, piece she's of all, slime. like clenched. Oh, yeah, yeah, great scene, but yeah. um, man, woof. Mm. <laughs> um, all right, so I know, so is
1: are oh, they like officially married then?
0: Mm, no, I guess she, so. She didn't
1: say, I do, but he kissed her. Well, who so.
0: knows how they're like system or works what their for traditions marriage are, yeah. yeah like mm-hmm. hidden cer- they didn't sign the marriage certificate so like <laughs> the government doesn't recognize that i don't know yeah who knows if it's just purely ceremonial or he didn't consummate the marriage thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> okay Um, so yeah, a couple, well, one last thing we want to do before we hit up the Twitter sphere for a couple last things. This is going to be a marathon podcast right here. Um, is, uh, voice impressions. I think (laughs) we should do just, you could do the girls. I can, I can do the guys unless you want to attempt some of the guy voices. I don't
1: know. We'll see. Okay. I know for
0: sure there are, there are ones I cannot do (laughs) in this. Um, do you want to do Titus's voice? (laughs)
1: Let's see what's a line that he says.
2: What's...
0: Here's a couple. Can you read that? He's like, "Ah, uh, what's ascending? Are we going somewhere? Yeah, I can't do his voice. He's got like this uh, like Meh.
1: what's ascending? Yeah. Uh, 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 uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Titus
1: are we going somewhere <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> titus ha yeah has a has this very distinct voice. Um, so I'm going to say, on top of everything we said about voice acting earlier, that this game has a great uh, cast of people with, with distinct voices and a yeah. lot of like character to their voices. But the direction of the cast, uh, I think, is is lacking, and the delivery in, in plenty of areas. Uh, but that could be, again, because of the awkward localization process with matching voices. Um, people die. Yuna dances <laughs> this
2: that that terrible oh, the, ah, ha, 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 ha,
0: ha. oh man what a scene probably the worst scene in the game uh you know why it happens you know like what's happening there.
1: and i mean if you think about what the voice actors had to go through like if you see the rigidity of the, the models. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of yeah. like, ah. <laughs> ha, ha, but then ha. they start giggling more after that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's just yeah. a
1: point of like, just get this out of our it's system. It's just an awkward you scene. Know?
0: Okay. I know for sure I can do Yuna. She's like,
2: I've done it. I have become a summoner. <laughs> for some
1: reason, the the marriage one, like the other day, was just like, ah. ah. <laughs> <laughs> he asked me to marry him
0: oh that, yeah 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 or the last one of the last things she says to titus
1: i love you i love you i love you
0: yeah it's, it's very yeah very faint very ephemeral voice um
1: i like how all these lines written out have like all these dot 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 because dot, dot, she's got pauses, so many yeah. pauses
0: the character does a lot of like, like nodding, yeah, as that, she talks. That very Japanese, yeah. like humble, yeah, bowing bow. and things like that. Yeah, well, she's like, I've learned how to smile even when I'm feeling sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we should get separated,
1: just whistle, I'll come running.
0: Oh, they, I promise. Yeah. Oh, that's good. was good. <laughs> <That> was good. <laughs> All right. Okay. Somebody that neither of us can do, I don't think. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Matt McKenzie. Probably the best uh, vocal performance in this game is Orin. Um, Yeah, just a really, really deep, gruff, gravelly, almost like a Western kind of a a voice, tough guy voice. Guard your emotions first, then guard your summoner. I hate this place. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this place. I hate this place. Are you still here? Yeah. Kind of just, yeah. I, I can't. Can't do it, Warren. Okay, we got Waka, which I was amazed to find out was John DiMaggio. DiMaggio, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um
1: Yeah, that was weird to see that face with that voice. Yeah, I always thought he
0: was what a Polynesian guy. Yeah. Didn't yeah.
1: he do uh Ronso too?
0: Uh yes, Kimari. Yeah oh, he did.
1: Kimari, I'm sorry. <laughs> no
0: Ronso, yeah. This is his last name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Waka. <laughs> Long time ago there was a whole lot of cities in Spira. Big cities with Machina machines to run them. People played all day and let the Machina do the work. And then, well, take a look. Sin came and destroyed the Machina cities <laughs> and Zenekin along with them. <laughs> yeah, that was about a thousand years ago, like you said. If you ask me, sins are punishment for letting things get so out of hand. What gets me, though, is we gotta suffer because of what some goofballs did way back when. Of course, we must always repent for our sins. That's what's important. It's just that, it's hard to keep at it sometimes, yeah. So the the yeah that yeah. that Waka says is so iconically uh, Polynesian.
2: Mm-hmm. You remember
0: when we were on our honeymoon and we were at uh, Walmart and everybody was saying yeah. just like yeah for everything, yeah. like you guys found everything okay, yeah. yeah.
2: They're like,
0: yes, yeah, I did, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a great pigeon accent.
1: Why build a city over a river, yeah?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry It's just so funny setting to say it. uh, it's good. Yeah I like I like Waka And his His accent Son of a shoe puff <laughs> Son of a
2: shoe puff <laughs> What else did he say
0: here Okay Ladies and gentlemen <laughs> I, I can't I can't do Lulu's voice So go ahead Just gotta pick a line He's
1: dead Okay Dead <laughs> It's sad, isn't
0: it? Oh, very good, yeah. (laughs) Oh, here we go.
1: Where's that line?
0: Okay, you gotta read that. I can't read that much from this far away. Okay.
1: Simply amazing. You make up one theory after another, refusing to face the simple truth. Sin didn't take Chapu anywhere. Sin crushed him and left him on the... What? Left? (laughs) Joe's Shore? I don't know. (laughs) Oh,
0: I think it's Jose. Oh, Joe! You're I'm like you read it like a S- Southern Californian. You're like a Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Jose. Jose. N-R. All right, I just ruined that one. That's all right. Skip ahead on that one, because I think that that quote ends with the. It's sad, isn't it? She got it like a Jerry. Oh like, no! Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> no one can replace Sir Jack, for that matter, and there's no replacement for Lord Brasca either. It's pointless to think about it, and sad.
2: Oh,
0: very good. <laughs> uh, I can't. Yeah, not even gonna try. it <clears throat> Goodbye, Chapu. <laughs> see, that's too. Yeah, that's too happy sounding. Still. Goodbye, Chapu. You always said I looked grumpy, but those were the happiest days of my life. Oh, that's sad.
1: That's really sad. Tragic, yeah, she is a sad tragic therapy. lines. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kimari. All
1: right, that's all you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ah, uh, let's see in in dark times she must be she must shine bright oh, and he, this is to titus right pick spot shut up wait <laughs>
1: yeah. um, i like his simple lines here look how short they all are
0: yeah no they're great he never has a monologue well imagine delivering a monologue oh, like gosh. that um yeah riku uni's
1: gonna die you know
0: (laughs) that's pretty much is that there you go
1: where is that line
0: it's still in here oh right here even if she defeats sin
2: it will kill uni too you know
0: (laughs) yeah she kind of has like an almost like an airheady sing-songy kind of a voice okay here we go i am maester seymour guado i'm honored to receive the title of maester in life my father, Jisco, worked to foster friendship between man and Guado. I vow to carry on his legacy and to fulfill my duties as maester to the best of my abilities. You want to say I sound soft-spoken? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Seymour is ridiculously soft-spoken. Where he, he, The character brings out the edge in his voice later in the game when he starts becoming this antagonist. But very much this sort of sweet... Well, you're why already are you still here yeah. <laughs> oh yeah looking at, at Oren, right yeah uh, i think that line is in it why are you still here sir i beg your pardon we guado are keen to the scent of the far plane i don't even remember what his hard voice sounds like hmm. he's just like and your
2: meaningless existence with it
0: <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know what he says all right so that was fun let's hit up twitter And start peeling this podcast to a close. This is from at Tyler Miller 2496, who said, This was my first Final Fantasy game, the PS3 version, and I loved it. The combat story and the world were great and left me wanting more. It really got me into the Final Fantasy series and has excited me about future games. Has me excited about future games, excuse me. Oh, and the final Chocobo race for the sun sigil is utter garbage. Some of, yeah, some of the last things you gotta do to get the ultimate weapons. Do you remember the Chocobo race? Yeah. 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 That, it was that like seemed, birds flying at you and yourself, you're like,
2: what? Do the-?
1: <laughs> wasn't that area just, it felt kind of like grinding a little bit?
0: Yeah, the Calmlands or of the plane, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a great place to get caught up in too much side stuff, that yeah. area. Um, if If you rush through it, good you can move the plot along but there's the monster arena there there's chocobo races There's the hidden temple legends of the hidden temple (laughs) yeah um (laughs) great show anyways uh let's see one of the most balanced oh i beg your pardon this is from at shade wing who said one of the most balanced final fantasy games in term terms of gameplay and combat the swap feature made that game strategic and you needed every character to get through those battles. It has its silly moments, but I had fun playing it. I mm-hmm. think that's a good comment. Um yeah, and we're not going to touch on the battle system at all, but it was interesting that uh this is sort of like the last Final Fantasy that's really main entry really turn-based. Um so far as I know, I haven't played 11 and and 14 the MMO ones, but the series definitely moved into um into more of the action oriented thing. Well, there's 13. I don't know. I'm going to withdraw that statement. We'll see. We'll see. Somebody's going to correct me. Okay, moving on. This guy at Scarpenter0617 who said, The Chocobo Eater is the Chupacabra of Final Fantasy. Yes. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that. This is from Super Fun Good Time Podcast at Cast Roll on Twitter. This one is a tough one for me. I think the game had a lot of redeeming qualities and the ending actually made me the most emotional of any Final Fantasy. But man, did I hate the sphere grid and Titus. <laughs> yeah, Titus is not a favorite character of many people. Mm-hmm. Um the sphere grid of, of course was the developmental system that they put in place. You remember that? Um where you had to move across this grid like a like a board game almost yeah. and develop each thing. I wish that they had had a system, especially in the remake, where you could move any number of spheres at a time and unlock them all at once rather than have to do them individually. Mm. Get very tedious, especially at the end of the game. Tedious? Yeah, See, his name is, is Titus, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's
1: interesting, though, about Titus that he's so like that. You know, he almost is a plot device, you know, because, I mean, he, yeah, he has a lot of emotional stuff going on in his story, too. But his purpose is different from all the other characters because he is the point of view. He does the job, mm-hmm. you know. It's not like he's the most endearing character, but there the love story there is pretty, you know, convincing, so you kind of feel for that, you know, and you're just like, Oh, why did he have to go? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, this is from uh Chris at Overthinkery One. Just like rem- the name. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he is, uh, he's one of our mages as cool. well, the sometimes vaguely philosophical mage. Cool. Chris is a great guy and a warrior of light. Thank you very much. Uh, just a reminder that after you've recorded the episode, you've got to go see uh, MC Prophet's video miniseries on the game. It's phenomenal. And a question, what do you think it was about this game that made it one of the only ones to get a direct sequel? Probably, like, the world was so unique, maybe. It had such a strength of characters. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, a direct sequel to a game called Final Fantasy is kind of strange. So, uh, I've never... I, there's not a single sequel of a Final Fantasy that I'm just like, oh, I really I, love that. I mean, that.
2: like,
1: I don't know a whole lot about all the Final Fantasies out there, but I just feel like the story is so, I guess, endearing and so connectable and relatable you know that it probably struck a chord with like a lot of a lot of people and maybe that response is uh you know they had i don't know maybe great sales on it or something they're like oh oh this is great we're having a moment (laughs) yeah, Yeah. and we gotta ride this moment to make more money and they
0: decided to just throw it in the dumpster (laughs) I
1: yeah i mean miss. that's what happens but they tried you know, if you do it yeah. for that reason and it's not purely creative yeah. then it's just
0: i think they, they try to do something different <laughs> you know uh and the final fantasy series is about doing things different a lot of times it innovates on in a lot of ways and tries new things 10 is definitely a game that tries new things um, mm. for the series
1: yeah each story is so different from the others you know yeah. Yeah, But yeah, I was saying that's like what Disney is doing, just churning stuff out just oh, for yeah. the sake of making money because the name is popular or something. Frozen 2. Or the predecessor was successful, you know.
0: Yeah. To Sequelitis is, mm, a, is a, do- yeah. a tough thing to avoid. Uh, he said also, favorite character, Oren. <laughs> Yours was? Yuna. Yuna, yeah. Um. We also did a poll on Twitter for everybody's favorite character. I'm gonna read off the results here. Um, thank you, everybody who shared your your opinions on that one. Even you people who just decided to share characters from other Final Fantasy games. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, "Who's your Final Fantasy or your favorite Final Fantasy X character?" And then people share like a picture of Cloud. And I'm like, "Thanks <laughs> for sharing." <laughs> or other people who are like, "I didn't play this game." I was like, "That's r- relevant information." Thank you. Um, okay, so by a landslide, the favorite character on this was
1: dun, da, da, dun. Orin.
0: Count count how much that is. You're better oh, at counting oh, than me. You're that. the math person.
1: Forty nine?
0: Forty nine votes. Okay, who's okay. second on there?
1: Um, looks like Lulu.
0: Lulu, imagine that.
1: <laughs> Twenty one.
0: Twenty one, okay, and then
1: uh Riku, yes. Uh, Riku has a little bit higher than Yuna. It looks like. Uh, I hope I'm reading this right. Let's see, sixteen. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Yuna has fourteen.
2: Okay. So pretty um, close.
1: Yeah. Then let's see. Kimari has twelve. Uh, yeah. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> Kimari. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Sorry. Uh waka has eight and poor titus has five
0: <laughs> and isn't he tied with Jack too
1: oh i forgot jack yeah Jecht has five. <laughs> which is
0: hilarious like <laughs> Jack is barely in this game like he's in there and like in in walkthroughs or um the walkthroughs uh what am i trying to say uh flashbacks, like the flashbacks thank yeah. you flashbacks and uh yeah People named him just as many times as the main character. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. not too many people like Titus, um, me included. Uh, And then he also asked, how does Lulu's dress work? I believe we addressed that. Get it? (laughs) But uh, We're just, yeah. Okay, so this is from uh, the Bizarro Mage, Winstolf, who is also a uh, Warrior of Light. Thank you for your support. Thank you. So he said, OK, so here's a question that despite reading up on it extensively, I could never answer much to my embarrassment. What is Titus? How is he in Spira? Where was he before Orin and Sin rocked it up in the prologue? Why can't I solve this? Uh, Playjack, sayback on Twitter, responded um, by just not giving an answer and saying he wants to wait to hear it on the podcast. So thank you very much. And then Winstolf said... I usually do okay with Square's more unusual plot ideas, but he, I have a massive Titus blind spot. Looking forward to hearing Red and Mrs. Red <laughs> discussing it. LOL. Um,
1: oh, I like that Mrs. Red.
0: Mrs. Red, that's adorable. Okay. <laughs> uh, and look at this GIF. A <laughs> hey, orange, you smelling fine. <laughs> 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 that is all about Titus right there. Okay, so... Briefly,
2: make it stop.
0: Now, okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> You're like, make it stop. He's smiling. <laughs> okay, so very briefly, uh, a thousand years ago, Xanarkin and Bevel were fighting a, a war. Bevel was using uh, Machina, Xanarkand was using summoners. The greatest summoner of Xanarkin, whose name was Yu Yevon, decided to um, uh, create this. Monster called Sin that would destroy everything. It would focus on big cities and Machina cities uh, and win the war. But Did it, he
1: create it or did he summon it?
0: He, I think he created its armor surrounding okay. him. Um, it destroyed Xanarkin also. Okay. Um, and as you Yevon slowly lost his mind and fell into like a mindless slavery to summoning, uh, it sort of just ran rampant Sin. Uh, this huge whale-like monster, Leviathan thing. Um, But Yuyevan, to preserve his city, Zanarkand, decided to create Dream Zanarkand. And so he got a bunch of the Zanarkand citizens together to become faith, these things that could be used to um, summon different things into existence. So they were summoning this uh, artificial dreams anarchand based on their memories of it.
1: Why did he want that so badly?
0: Because he wanted to preserve his city. Why? I think. Because he was from there. He loved it. That's patriotism, right? Okay. Yeah. Makes okay. sense. Um so you Yevin is constantly summoning with But why does he
1: become something that oh destroys it? I don't get it. If well, he loves okay. it so much.
0: <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to ex- I'm get sorry. to Titus. No, I'm just kidding. No. Okay. I, so I think he creates sin and gives it, you know, basic commands. Like, you know, you're going to destroy the big Machina cities. Unfortunately, sin took that to mean also Xanarkind. Um, and who knows what state of consciousness you Yevon could be in when he first entered sin. Like maybe mm-hmm. he just like lost control of it immediately. And Sin was like, oh, here be a giant community. And <laughs> just like, <"Psh."> so he, <laughs> he does, he, and destroys Zanarkand entirely. Um, so getting back to this dream Zanarkand now, mm-hmm. um, the faith collectively are basically dreaming up this artificial version, this idealized version of Yu Yevon's nation, Zanarkand. Um, The little boy that you mentioned earlier within mm-hmm. dream Zanarkand is Bahamut, one of the faiths um, that. Joins you as an Aeon,
1: yes, Ghost Boy that keeps telling you how much you cried. Right? Yeah, you cried. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's uh, that's Bahamut. Okay. Um, so within Dreams Anarchin, it's being populated by artificial citizens, basically that are living their lives, and so on and so forth. One of them is Titus, um, who I think is sort of the pet project of of Bahamut, this uh, this blitzball star player that he dreams up. <clears throat> so. Prior to Titus is his father Ject, who was also from Dream Zanarkand. Somehow, and I haven't found an answer out to this, somehow Ject is able to leave Dream Zanarkand somehow and wakes up in Spira somehow. And then he joins Brasca and becomes Sin. Okay, now once Ject becomes Sin, he still has some of his consciousness. So he and Orin... Basically, go into Dream Xanarkin. Oren is already there, like in Dream Xanarkin, helping to raise Titus uh, in his father and his mother's absence, uh, since his father went missing from the dream, and since his mother died shortly after his father left. Um, so Oren is kind of his guardian in that Dream Xanarkin. But Sin comes and contacts um, Titus in the dream and sort of makes him real, makes him tangible, brings him to the real world, Spira. Um, So we at least know how Titus got there. So Titus is an artificial being. He is a dream being, but he's a dream being that's made real. Now, we don't know if the beings in Dream Zanarkin are sentient or not. It seems like they are. Um, But at least once he becomes real in in Spira, that he you know, is sentient at that point. At, and at least
1: is the same thing.
0: And Jekt is, was the same thing before, once he left dreams, Anarkin, he became real as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but whatever, whatever that could, it could be that the dreams, Anarkin, and we were talking about this earlier, right? On the mm-hmm. drive home. Um, dream doesn't necessarily mean here. The same thing as like when we have dreams at night, because again, the faith that we're dreaming for a thousand years and uh they were sharing in that dream, and that's so that's not at all like a real dream. Um so it could just be that they were summoning real things, but they were in sort of this pocket universe. And so getting characters out of that pocket universe was not ridiculous. It was just a thing that They're could like happen.
1: Architects on Inception. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> and Inception in some point. So um he was okay, so to answer the question, where what is Titus? He's a dream. Zanarkin's citizen who becomes real and tangible when he leaves Spira. He leaves Spira because Sin brings him there and contacts him in Dream Zanarkin, drags him into Spira. Uh, Sin seems to have this capability to transport uh, people and individuals that come into contact with him or erase their memories and mess it with them in, in metaphysical ways. Um, and and that that should be your answer, sir. Um, sorry if it was confusing. You can always message me. My DMs are always open. Uh, this is from The Funky Jedi. I wasn't very connected to popular opinion when I played this game, so I'm wondering if it's aged into something haters appreciate the core gameplay mechanics of, despite hashtag TitusLaughs or not. <laughs> um, there are a lot of haters for this game. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning, people who dislike it really dislike it. Um, but I think it's a pretty great game.
1: It'd be interesting to, you know, know a little bit of the statistics on each of those people and if they have things in common or, um, you know, maybe they have common types of games that hmm. yeah. they've played. That kind of gives them a foundation of what they expect. You know,
0: yeah. Like I always wondered if people like that are the like Super Nintendo, PS One purists. Hmm. Um, I don't know, not sure. Uh, this is from at Rob, at Rob Covell, excuse me, who, uh, said, I love this game in spite of its flaws. I hope you do a really in-depth look at how great Blitzball was. (laughs) Sorry, don't have time for for Blitzball breakdown. Uh, I liked Blitzball a lot. Uh, the first time I played through this game, I got all of the best players. I spent hours and hours and hours winning at, at Blitzball. I think it's a cool thing in that there was a mini game this in depth in this game mm-hmm. um with all of its own systems and and things like that and players um a lot of people complain that it's mandatory to play it uh to progress the game once you reach Luca mm. but uh win or lose that match um it doesn't affect the ultimate outcome of the progression of the story so there is that. You don't have to win the match to, to progress the story. I think if you lose it, the same thing still happens. So I like Blitz Blitzball. A lot of people don't. I completely understand why. Um, this is from at PlayJackSayback, who is also a Warrior of Light. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, who said, I love this game. Hated the sphere grid and Blitzball for the longest time. Also hated the laugh scene until I understood it a little better. I eventually f- filled the sphere grid and grew to like playing several of the same overpowered characters. <laughs> blitzball is OK to be to me now. I still hate the tech copy. would rather have had a player skill leveling mechanic. Yeah, uh, you basically had to learn techniques in blitzball when an opponent uses them or uses them against a character that's trying to copy that technique. It's a weird system, mm-hmm. um, and it can be very unpredictable this is from at teacher bloke 85 three words ride the shoe puff he's referring to uh the shoe puff trainer who's like this weird fish guy <laughs> it's kind of weird that like this universe has like almost everybody's human and then there's like a couple of ronso and a couple of guado and then there's like a really couple like what are you like a fish man <laughs> or you're like a lizard person like what where do you even come from <laughs> yeah so there's the rides of the shoe puff guy uh looking forward to this final fantasy 10 didn't really click with me at first probably because i've been smashing shadow hearts in the couple of months prior to its pal release came back to it a few months later though and loved it uh this is from at dr zach 87 any Final Fantasy 2, attend to opinions, or you're saving that for another cast. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. I will probably never do an episode on Final Fantasy 10, 2. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe if I become a eunuch. <laughs> uh, this is also from Play Jack Sayback. If you have played any, oh yeah, excuse me. Also from Play Jack Sayback. If you have played Final Fantasy 10 and Final Fantasy 10, 2. How did you feel about the initial difference between Yevon and New Yevon? Was there trust? We, the party, saved the world and set it right, so it should be good this time versus evil, old dog, new evil tricks. Um, I'm not too familiar with that in Final Fantasy X-2. I know that there's a new branch of the Yevonite religion um, Mm -hmm. that sort of like refocuses, um, but I don't think it actually reforms. It's Yeah, it's sort of an interesting idea, but... (laughs) didn't get to it this is from just a gif (laughs) from uh at chris bg 99 uh just yeah that scene from the grinch hate 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 double hate
2: (gasps) loathe
0: entirely (laughs) to whom i said but did you finish it anyways he didn't like the game uh what was your favorite boss fight (sighs) don't know can't remember um not that stupid dragon that you got to fight when you're trying to get to Bavel. I hate that Evray, I think it was called. Not a fan. Um, I don't know if I had a favorite boss fight. At Alex Beru to use, who said top 4 video games I played every year. That's pretty high praise. Uh, this is from Games with Coffee who is a mage, the hyperactive coffee mage sphere grid as a tool to develop characters yay or nay i say yay wish it had some improvements on it um but what you gonna do he said per- personally while i thought it was tedious <laughs> tidious i actually enjoyed <laughs> the death of customization of depth dearth of customization sorry i misread that twice I actually enjoyed the dearth of customization available for each character. Hopefully that's how you pronounce the word dearth until you hit the end game where you have to grind for spheres at the ballerina. Yeah, not a fan, not a fan of that. Um, He tells this brief story here on his PS2, how he spent 140 hours getting his characters as strong as they could be to take on the final super boss, which is like a secret boss in the game harder Mm -hmm. than the last boss. Uh, beat him celebrated save the game decided to start a new game accidentally saved over his old file oh <laughs> uh, good old days <laughs> yeah. at least it wasn't like the you know, the super nintendo nes where if like you bumped it it would corrupt your file oh and
2: just like, yeah
0: nah! anyways uh this is from at fritstalgia oh interesting laugh jokes aside what about the zombie plus phoenix down thing you can do to cheese the ending um, so he's referring to Yu Yevin in the battle. Yu Yevon is kind of like this thematic fight, uh, but not really a challenging one. I, I, I think if I recall, he heals your party even as you're fighting him and you can just like, uh, beat him really easily. He's referring to this thing where you can turn him into zombie status and then just use a phoenix down and it'll kill him. Um, I think that Yevin is just there as uh the conclusion of this theme of of mindless obedience and sort of like this main antagonist. But I think the real final battles are the battle against Seymour and and Jack. Hmm. So there's that. Um at Eros, Elric responded, Final Fantasy VII had Knights of the Round and Surecast, I believe, from the strategy guide. So yeah, there's there's been things in the past that you can use to cheese cheese bosses um, but I think that um, the mechanical and rote boss fight that is Yevon is, is more thematic rather than challenging. Uh, the Arcade Castle, how many Titus laughs? A lot. <laughs> too too many. <laughs> ha, 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 six. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, with, with, you know we should do that someday. Um, I love spamming that gif too. That's one of my favorite so things. Again. Yeah. Um, this is from Pico Nyanyan. <laughs> Why can't Blitzball just be similar to the card games in other games in terms of optional task? It'll be more fun to appreciate that game if it's like press square to play Blitzball. So again, on the optionality, mandatoriness of Blitzball, pretty sure you can just win or lose in order to progress the game anyway. And you don't ever have to return to it later unless you want Waka's ultimate gear. Um and I'm pretty sure that in Final Fantasy 9 it was mandatory to play the card game in in that one. Um
1: I seem to remember seeing you play that card game.
0: Yeah. Well, we played a little bit of 9 together. Okay. And I like the card game in 9. I'm one of the few people who likes it. This is from at Azalea Twenty two gamer. It has been so long since I played it, but I absolutely loved it. I don't think I liked Blitzball at the start, but I got into it later. i Loved watching the cutscene with them at the lake. Rewatched it a lot. Oh yes, great cutscene. I cried I every cried. time. Oh, she cried. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you I cried did the cry. first time. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Uh, it was cool to but see an emotional. Watching
1: impact. the recap of it, I was just like. That's nice. You yeah. know, but like, I think when you've gone through it with them yeah. and you're like already like emotionally attached to everybody, then you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Well, it's sort of like if you read like the summary of a novel, like on Wikipedia, you're not mm. going to like feel the impact of it. But if you are in it, in the story, reading it or actively playing a game, that's different. Um, <laughs> this is from at writer's view. How many blitz ball matches do you think are played every day in hell? Uh, (laughs) i said excuse you the ps2 is too good for hell good point moses oh god (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i liked blitzball um got real into it never get as into it again in the future it's it's pretty time consuming if you want to do that um at Eros Elric said, the first ever Final Fantasy game to utilize voice acting. Clearly it was used to its full potential. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of sarcasm there. And I'm all with you on that because, yeah, it is uh, it is quite, um, quite in its infancy stages. This is from at Gimme the Fife. I still haven't recovered from the ending. I do like the ending as well. I really like that. Um, well, there's that emotional exchange with Yuna. The final,
2: "I love you," mm-hmm. and he comes around
0: <laughs> and he like ghost hugs her from behind. Aww. And you're like that was the first. They didn't even share a kiss. Oh my gosh! And then, uh, and then he dives off. And I love that the last thing that you see is he passes, um, uh, Broska and Oren. Pretty sure uh and then he gives his dad like a high five. So it's like this final conclusion of like he hated his dad for so long. He finally understood that his dad loved him in his own way and they could be together in eternity or whatever their version of the afterlife is. Um at peace, you know? So, I thought that was good. How do you feel this from Oh, I have a comment. Okay, go too. ahead.
1: Okay, so since we you know, have been seeing the Kingdom Hearts stuff lately, since that just came out. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, the whole thing where um, now I got to remember everybody else's names: Riku,
0: Sora, Sora. Kyrie,
1: Kyrie. Okay, okay. Sora, so Donald,
0: <laughs> Goofy. <laughs> Goofy. <laughs> oh my god, that game always does that.
1: Okay, so Kyrie. Like phases through Sora. Oh gosh! And then their hearts are like bound together, or whatever, yeah. right? Or someone's heart is inside of someone else. Yeah. I don't know. That thought passed through my mind when Titus. Or now you're making me say Titus. Oh, good. When Titus <laughs> <laughs> phases Passes through, through, through you now it's like, is his heart like inside of her now? <laughs> if it was
0: Kingdom Hearts mumbo jumbo, sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, but if Titus is, is in
1: Jesus. that story. You know, with Kingdom Hearts, why not? You know, why not?
0: (laughs) I don't know. The question is, okay, did he go to the far plane or what happens to dream people when they die? Well, he didn't die, though. That's the thing. The dream just faded. (laughs) Anyways.
1: But she did say never forget your dreams. So maybe if you keep dreaming about your dreams, you keep them alive.
0: Maybe. Maybe. And there's that very final sequence where he's underwater and he swims up to the surface. Oh, yeah. You're like, what is that? I think there's something in the sequel with that. But, again, haven't played the sequel. so Couldn't tell you.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: Two things here from Eros Elric. Hopefully I'm pronouncing these right. Sorry, guys. Uh, Who said, how do you feel about the lightning bolt dodge grind for the ultimate Mm. weapon? I hate it. I hate it. Can't do it. Uh, definitely don't have the time to do it today. I
1: hated watching it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you're like at 195, 196. <laughs> I'm gonna go scrub the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> like a, scr- a freak lightning <laughs> bolt just fries him. Like, too bad it doesn't give you a game over because at that point I ain't playing it anymore. Uh, he also said, is it a mere coincidence that both Final Fantasy X and Chrono Cross feature a seaside setting that crosses the hero over into another world, only to confront an evil manifestation of their father in some pseudo Oedipus theme? <sighs> Could be. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: let's see. From Sean the CHB. I enjoyed it when it first came out. Loved the soundtrack of the game. Gorgeous music. Story was very good. I liked Yuna and Waka. Soundtrack, I wish we could have talked more about. Soundtrack is wonderful. So yeah. Uh, Via Purifico is a great track. Uh, Titus was a good character. Oren was cool. Final Boss could have been more better done, but was still a fine game. I like it. Thank you. Good comment. Um, this is from Jimmy Ramon. It's actually one of the one of my least favorite Final Fantasies. It was the first one that felt truly linear throughout, which I disliked, and had the least memorable cast of characters, in my opinion. So there's an example of a of a counter uh, to liking the game. Um, how do you feel? This is from Jordan Lovell, thirty two. How do you feel about how the story tackles the theme of sacrifice for the greater good? And the contrasting stories of Jack Titus, and Yuna. I don't think we have time to unpack that question, so I'm just not going to mention that one.
1: Okay, that's an interesting question, then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks for your question. I think it's interesting, but, um, yeah, I don't know that we would have the remaining time left to answer that question. Theme of sacrifice for the greater good and the contrasting stories of Jack Titus, and Yuna. I don't know. I think that self-sacrifice is good, um, but doing it with the right frame of truth if you could say that I guess doing it in a meaningful way not just throwing your life away for 10 years of false hope um, is is better than false hope well ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening this ended up being a marathon episode it's a big game and we barely even talked about some aspects of it like the mechanics and stuff but I enjoyed talking about the characters a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you waifu for joining me (laughs) Uh, you're
1: welcome, husbando. Husbando. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I I told um several people um when we were doing the waifu collaboration recently for Valentine's Day, um, that I picked the character Tifa Lockhart because you look like her. Uh so don't Google her, just we're gonna keep that there. I uh, will thanks, Google <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for joining me on this this episode
1: thank you for having me yeah it was
0: a lot of fun and you were cute Aww, and cute. doing this with no clothes on was a lot of fun too
1: yes that was... <laughs> <laughs> happy belated valentine's day happy
0: belated valentine's day have a good night bye bye i hope you enjoyed that episode of MageCast as much as i did if so please follow subscribe share and leave us a review to help us reach a wider audience if you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of gaming conversations through patreon.com forward slash Mage. Special thanks to my Mage League colleague Brent Mead for sound editing. The Magecast theme song, Post Atmosphere, was composed by fellow mage Russell Gordon and can be found on his YouTube and SoundCloud. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on, passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons.
1: My name is Katie Cakes and I am the host of Cake Bites, a podcast adventure through gaming history. I am just inviting you to come along with me on that journey while I interview people who have worked in and around the industry for the last 30 plus years to learn about their experiences and their perspectives, to learn more about an industry that is continuously evolving. I hope you guys will join me every two weeks when I release a new episode of the show on all major podcasting platforms. You can learn more about the show at kickbytes.com.